These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden and in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flows out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divides and becomes four branches. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bedellium and onyx stones are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the second reading may be found on page 199. It's taken from Colossians Chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, Clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. Good morning. Thanks ever so much for that. Let's let's start with a prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you that you chose us. Thank you that you call us and you have a purpose for our lives. Please open our hearts to your leading this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we are looking at the theme of vocation this morning, as Roland has explained to us. And I I was looking at that word, and the word vocation comes from the Latin word that means calling. And as I was thinking through it, I realized that for the Christian, a vocation is not just something that God calls us to do. It is also the person that God calls us to be. So when Jesus called his first disciples, it wasn't just so that they could help him do his work. It was so that their lives could be transformed through his friendship 
and love. And so at its most primary basic level, we have been called as Christians to follow Christ, the Son of God, to be transformed by him and to be his light in the world. And I would suggest that that is our primary vocation. It's our primary calling to know Christ and to make him known. And at the same time, God has given us abilities and spiritual gifts and and guides us to places to do his work to serve others. And I think, therefore, also that it's right in our lives to make time to consider if God is guiding us, calling us to use our gifts in specific ways, in specific places, sometimes for a few moments, sometimes maybe for many years. And I'm sure that there are many testimonies amongst us here this morning where we can share how God has called us, where we've been called to a particular um, calling or vocation. Um, And this morning you'll probably hear from me a few personal reflections on my own vocational journey because they've come to mind as I've studied and and prayed through this. And as I first looked at the word vocation and started reading the passages, one life event immediately jumped to mind. And that was in the year 2000. I'd been working for a church in Peckham for two years and I was applying for graduate jobs. I went through the process, graduate process, and received an offer to be the graduate marketeer on the Nestle Gold Blend brand. I was very excited by the job, not not least for the discounted coffee and chocolate. That was particularly Claire was loving the thought of the chocolate. Then a few weeks before I was due to start at Nestle in Croydon, I was offered another graduate role because I'd also applied to the civil service fast stream. And the thing is, I'd studied government at university, and politics and governing was a natural passion um, that was inside me. And so it suddenly was a bit of a shock, and so I prayed about the decision I had to take. I prayed with the ministry team that Sunday at at church, and um, the more I prayed about it and reflected... I thought, you know, the civil service grad scheme feels right. It's where I ought to be. So I chose the civil service. And I know that I would have had God's blessing and calling in either of those roles. But I did feel a sense of calling, vocation to that profession in the civil service. God is good. He speaks to us. And we are called by God into his service. And I do think it's wonderful that he uses us wherever we are, wherever he's placed us. And so I want to look at this theme of vocation in just three parts this morning. First, I want to look how we are not an accident. We have a God-given purpose, vocation. And particularly, I want to take the verse Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 on that, that was read for us this morning. Secondly, I want to look at how we are called to use our gifts and abilities to serve wherever we are placed. And I'm going to look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 from our second reading. And then finally, thirdly, I want to look at how our work for the Lord is never in vain. So firstly, we're, we're not an accident. I want to just look at that, that Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, verse in its broadest context. Because if we look at verse 7 of that passage, we see that the Lord God formed the human from the dust of the ground and 
breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God took the man from the stuff which he'd been made and he put him somewhere else. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. So he was formed from the dust of the ground, but his destiny was the garden. That is where God placed him. And in our translation, both verse 8 and verse 15 are translated put. He put him in the garden. But in verse 15, it's a slightly different Hebrew verse that's used. It's a nuanced word, more like rest. And one theologian that I read stated that it's probably better to say the Lord God settled the man in the garden. And so I love this picture that we're given here. God transferred Adam from one realm to another, from the merely physical dust of the ground to God's own sanctuary. There's no accident here. God created humankind and he deliberately, carefully, thoughtfully placed it where it belonged, in his garden. God's person settled in God's place under God's rule. And here is Adam where he belongs. And I hope I'm not stretching it to say in the same way when we put our faith in his son Jesus Christ, we too are taken from one place to another darkness to light, to a place with him where we belong. And in that place of belonging, God gave Adam a purpose, work to do. You see it in verse 15, to till and keep it. That is to work and take care of the garden. At the simplest level, I think this is about service and vocation. Adam is being called to serve God, to be faithful to God in the place that he has settled him. And I found that to be really encouraging this week because God created Adam in his image, placed him in the garden with a purpose, with a vocation. And in the same way, God created each one of us here this morning. Made us in his image, placed us here on earth. We aren't an accident. The Bible is clear and constant. God planned each one of us just as he did Adam. And over the years at work, I've mentored many people. And what one of my mentees said to me a couple of years ago has stuck with me because I think it's so profound, it's kept ringing in my ears. And in the mentoring sections, I always gently probe, well, kind of, well, in a clumsy way, my own clumsy way. And I ask about their aspirations and motivations to know why they're taking the decisions that they're taking in the workplace. And when I asked my talented and driven mentee what they aspired to, what they truly wanted, because they were dissatisfied against in a new job, in this new role, and they were struggling to know what to do next, my mentee looked at me and sipped their coffee and mournfully said to me with real feeling that they were searching for relevance. That's what they were trying for in each of the roles they were doing at work and they weren't finding it. They were searching for relevance. I think millions of people are searching, seeking relevance. And I think that's why verse 15 provides a wonderful truth for us to start with this morning. It's a picture of hope. If this morning any of us are thinking we have no purpose in life, we are seeking but not finding relevance. If we feel as though we don't have a vocation, we don't have a calling, 
We might be working, we might be studying, we might be traveling, we might be unemployed, we might be caring for someone at home, we might be retired. Whether we're content or miserable, full of hope or close to despair, whatever our situation, let us allow it to sink deeply into us that however we feel, God has chosen us. He has called us like he did Adam. He has settled us in the place that we are today, even if it's just for a moment. And through his son Jesus, he loves us, knows us, and he has a purpose for us today and for the future. So that's that first point. We are not an accident and we have a purpose. If I move on to the second point here, we are called to use our gifts and abilities to serve where we have been settled. And this is where I want to look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 from our second reading. You see, our call is to bring the light of Christ to all we do. It says verse 17, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we think of our vocation, our calling in its widest sense, whoever we are, we are called to live out our faith in Christ, to be the saint that he called us to be, to bring love, joy, peace, patience to those around us and to do it giving thanks. And so what seems to lie most on the heart of God is not whether we move from one job to another, be in one location or another, but whether in our present work, whatever that work is, whatever you do, to make sure that when there, we are enjoying embracing God's promised presence and obeying his commands in the way that we do it. That is our calling. And so I was thinking, what does that mean on the day-to-day basis where, where we are? In a very practical way, I think it's inviting our Father's presence into our daily tasks. One example for me is to pray before I go into my normal routines of the day. So before I start work, Each day, I ask God to give me wisdom, to give me favor, to clothe me with love, to empower me, to strengthen me. And I personally know that when I remember that God has settled me in this place, called me to the workplace that I am today, or whether that's at work or at home or with other friends, and that that is my calling, my vocation, I do find myself more purposefully studying the Bible seeking God for his promises and assurances and wisdom because I need it if I'm called to the place I'm going that day. And so what I've got at the moment on my laptop, because I've been working quite a bit from home, on my laptop I've got a piece of paper that just sits on the keyboard. And I've got two verses on there at the moment. I keep rolling them around depending what I think God's saying to me. And right now I've got, um, I've got two. The first is, do not let your hearts be troubled trusting God from John 14, because I find at work I'm troubled a lot right now. And from James chapter 1, I've got, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And for me, it's so that God's word, God's heart is there before me to guide me as I go through my work day. And so funneling down from that widest point, which is wherever we are placed, our call is to bring Christ's presence into that moment. I would also argue that um, getting us into the right role, job, career, set of tasks, although it's not God's highest concern, it does matter to God. 
I think, in fact, the distinctive work of the Holy Spirit is to guide and empower us for the work to which God leads us. In the Old Testament, we see that um, God called Noah to build the ark, as we, we sung about that earlier. God called Moses and Aaron to their specific tasks. He placed people in political leadership, whether that be Joseph, Gideon, Saul, David, David's descendants. Jesus specifically called the apostles and the disciples and the Spirit routinely guides believers to particular work and gives them the skills they need. And as children of God, as believers in Christ, I think we've been given spiritual gifts. I think that's clear in the New Testament. More than just natural talents, a spiritual gift being a gift that something God is good at through us. And as Paul says to the Romans, we each have different gifts. And both the Apostle Paul and Peter were unambiguous that the gifts we have been given are to be used for the benefits of others. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So God has given us abilities. He's given us spiritual gifts, which are exciting, whether that's mercy, encouragement, leadership, evangelism, administration. There's over 20 of those listed in the the New Testament. And I think that speaking to friends, work colleagues, um, church um, friends, house group members can be a good way to test and understand what gifts, spiritual gifts and abilities we've been given and to discern how and where we can best use them. And I wonder whether maybe this week's a good week to take time out to seek God afresh on our gifts and how they are to be deployed and in what way we're being called to use them. Because I do think that understanding our abilities, our gifts, and what we love to do with them can give us a real insight into into those areas that God may be calling us to serve. And his use of our gifts and his leading may well surprise us. 16 or 17 years ago, I wondered if I was being... Um, called to Church of England ordained ministry. I wondered if that was my vocation. And I do think that sometimes many of us, and if I go back that time, I sometimes thought vocation was only for those who worked in the church. And of course it's not, as we've seen God calls each and every one of us. And so um, 16, 17 years ago, I was supported by my church and the Southwark Diocese. I went through the process. I went through the bishop's advisory panel, went to Ely, um, and I was accepted for ordination training. And I thought, yes, that, clearly that's my vocation. And as I was due to look around training colleges, I took time out again to reflect, to seek God on my future. And it became clear to me that that wasn't my calling at all. I wasn't being called to ordained ministry. And if I'm really honest with myself, and you speak to my wife, I'll tell you more, I don't think I'd be very good at it at all. That wasn't my calling. My specific vocation at that time and to this day has been to the workplace. That's where I've been called. That's where God has settled me. And I know that there will be others today who sit here who feel that call to what they're doing right now in the same place, in the same way. And for me, it's it's never been simple. I sometimes wonder if I'm in the right place. Is Lord, is Lord that where you're calling me and if I'm doing the right thing? But I've always found it helpful to remember that God does have a purpose for me, for us. I am called 
And as this verse reminds us, verse 17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we've seen that God calls each one of us, we are chosen. That he settles us in a place. That we are called to use in our gifts and abilities to serve him wherever we've been settled. And often, when we prayerfully look at our gifts and abilities, we will see and discern where God is calling us to, how he wants us to, to bring his presence to the world around us. And so finally and thirdly, I just want to look at how our work for the Lord is never, ever in vain. When we open ourselves to God, when we trust in God's strength and the gifts he's given us, and we don't do it in our own strength and we're open to his leading, then there will be a godly impact. It will never be in vain. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes this, Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In the Lord your labor is not in vain. When we clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, all those things we saw in the Colossians reading, we will change the world around us. We will show people the invitation of Jesus, the love of Jesus. And I think it's so important to remind ourselves of that because in my own experience, it doesn't take long for us to believe that when we're serving, when we're doing these things, we're not um, doing any good at all. When we put ourselves out, I think of myself in the workplace so many times and commit to try and serve and step out in some way, I can so often think I'm not making any difference at all. I'm just becoming like the world um, around me. And maybe that's somehow, sometimes how we feel when we're caring for someone or um, when we're telling others about our faith and we don't see any positive response or when we're helping in a creche or a Sunday club or whatever we do on a day-to-day basis. We can think it does no good. But when we feel despondent like that, we need to remember that we are called and what we do is never in vain. I also think it's clear that the Bible says that when we offer up our gifts and abilities and seek to serve like Jesus served, we will find that there will be an impact in our own lives. We will be blessed. Our God-given abilities and gifts will become clearer and we'll begin to use them more effectively. We'll find that we will grow in spiritual maturity. And I think it does take spiritual maturity to put others' needs above our own. God created us as unique individuals. And I'm convinced that the more we step out in faith, that we, when we trust his calling, the more we will discover who we are and the more we discover what lies deepest in our hearts, the more we will be able to discern what God's will is for us and what direction he wants us to take in life. And sometimes I think if we just step out a little bit and trust God's call for our lives, On this journey, wonderful and crazy things will happen that surprise us, both big and small, and the small things and the big things. And I've got to say that in in the workplace, in what I've seen as as a vocation for me, I've had the opportunity to serve in ways I'd never imagined. And I've had the opportunity to share my faith in places and ways that I never thought I would. And... um, 
as I was reflecting on this again this week, um, I remembered when I, I remember back a few years ago to when I was Director General at the Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs and I was on the board there. And I had this random idea, I'm not going to pretend it was directly from God, but I just had this idea one day that wouldn't be, it be amazing to have a harvest festival service praising God for the tax take of the whole country. That year, 2014, it was 500 billion pounds. And I thought, I couldn't get rid of this idea. And I thought, well, I'm in a position where probably I could do something. So I pootled over the road because my, my office was just on Parliament Square. I went over the road, I went to Westminster Abbey, and I met with the dean there, the very Reverend Dr. John Hall at the time, and I had a chat, and he said, William, that's an absolutely brilliant idea. And um, so we organised a survey, service at Westminster Abbey on the 23rd of September 2014. We invited a few people, 2,100 people came. The Queen sent a representative and apologised for not being there herself. And the whole service was focused on God's abundant provision to thank him for the tax that was coming in, to ask him to use it and use it for the good of the whole country. It was parodied in a number of the national newspapers and the Sun newspaper wrote a comical taxman's Lord's Prayer, which of course I cut out. Um, but it gave me a, a wonderful opportunity to share my faith. And it reminded me, and it came to my mind again as I was studying this, that God will surprise us in both the big and small things. And he will show us that we are where we were meant to be. And he will use us as he wishes to, to use us, using the abilities and gifts he's given us. So God sees and knows our service to him. He'll never forget it. He'll reward us in heaven for it because he is a faithful and just God. In Hebrews 6 it says, For God is not unjust. He will not overlook your work and the love that you showed for his sake in serving the saints as you do. And so to conclude, we are not an accident. God has chosen each one of us here. He settled us in our place and given us a vocation, a calling to grow as saints and to use our God-given gifts and abilities to bless the world around us. He doesn't promise that it will be easy, but he does promise to be there with us, empowering us, strengthening us. Amen.